Welcome to the Eight Facets of Life podcast with Chris Conley and Debbie Ellis. On this podcast, we will examine the components that make up our lives and discuss how we can make improvements. God wants us to perform at our best in all aspects of life, but why don't we? We will talk about this and much more in an effort to discover our very best us in every part of our lives. This podcast is brought to you by Darren Olson with Edward Jones in Bell Fountain. Well, today I'm excited because the facet we're going to talk about is wellness and health. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you, I will be honest, I don't sleep enough and I eat too many sweets. So you can just check those off as things that I need to work on. However, when we get to the fitness part of it, I have learned a lot in the last eight years. And so I'm going to kind of dominate that, Chris. I'm going to talk about it way too much. But today, as we talk about health and wellness, it is a must. There's no way to look at it because if you want to live longer, barring any type of accidents, that's That's the key to it. That is what anything you read will tell you. And many people struggle because you're working, you're taking care of your family, and your lives are busy. And so putting it off to another day is really, really convenient and easy to do. So I think today if we can talk about how you bite it off in little chunks and how you get started on a healthy lifestyle and just the behaviors that we can create Mm -hmm. is important. So if you can kind of show us some evidence that focusing on self-care now can have a lasting positive effect on our lives, I think that's an important facet. There's so much information out there. You know, we hear that two-thirds of Americans are overweight, one-third are clinically obese, and that's that's alarming in itself. Yes. But you, you recall the show The Biggest Loser. I liked it when it first came on. The thing that I can remember, that aha moment for those people, was... A doctor would come in and tell them, you're 25 years old, but you've got the physical body of a, of a 50-year-old or 60-year-old, and they'd just start bawling. But the neat thing was then that same doctor would work with them six months later after they'd gone through the nutrition training and, and the exercise, and he said, now your 25-year-old body is that of an 18-year-old. So everything it seems like we've done seems like it can be reversed. And, you know, I've heard this with smokers, that they can actually – make their lungs that of a non-smoker a year after they've quit, you know. So I think there's hope for everyone, and that's what's encouraging to me. Right. And now that you mentioned smoking, I have just looked over a study from The Ohio State University. Mm -hmm. It was done in 2018. And they talked about the importance that, and I didn't realize all of this, that heart disease remains the number one cause of death in both men and women and that heart attacks and strokes kill more women than all cancers combined. That's Mm -hmm. kind of startling because you hear so much about cancer and different ways to raise money for cancer research. So with the heart, they were talking about just some healthy lifestyle behaviors, and they said engage in 30 minutes of physical activity five days a week. So that means, like you said, if you just walk 30 minutes a day, five days a week, that can help. And then what I'm not good at is eating like fruits and vegetables each day. And they said, don't smoke, as you mentioned, and limit alcohol intake. Along with this study, they were talking about sleeping is important. Right. And this is the, I did not, I was unaware of this, that just working and sitting in your chair, which is part of your job, you know, if you have to do things at a computer or uh, clerical work, that sitting for five hours or more a day is comparable to smoking 1.25 packs of cigarettes a day. Hmm. I have never heard that statistic. And I thought that was rather interesting. 
But again, when they talked later on in the article, just about setting SMART goals, they said, just to be specific and make them measurable if you can and achievable and realistic. And we are all time bound. So you can only do so much. And that leads into the part of fitness that I'd like to share is I truly, I was pre title nine. So there were no sports for women in high school. I was not involved in anything. It was kind of ironic because we had a, a GAA, which is girls athletic association and we didn't have any athletics, but we still had that. And our job, oh gosh, this dates me, was to sell and raffle off cakes at the boys' basketball game to earn money. That was the purpose of Girls Athletic Association in the late 1960s. So I really never did anything. Fortunately, I was a huge eater, but I have a really small frame People thought maybe I did things, but I never did. At age 58, my endocrinologist had shared, Debbie, you need to do something because your bones are losing density and you need to start doing some weight bearing activities. Well, at that point, it's like, okay, I'm 58. What am I going to do? So the first thing I did was Miss Suzanne, the local ballet teacher, I asked her if I could take a ballet class. And of course, at that at that time of year, there were only little kids. So I was in a class, a ballet class with 10-year-olds. 10-year-olds are like Gumby girls. They can move all over the place. So the first thing I did was I learned the French words. I thought, okay, if I know what a tourjete is, if I know what to do, that I'll be okay. Well, by the time my head told my feet what to do, these little kids were halfway across the the ballet floor, mm-hmm. but they were so cute. And they would say, it's okay, Miss Debbie. When I started ballet, I had a hard time too. Well, uh, about a year of that, I realized I wasn't going to be a prima ballerina. So then I thought, okay, what's the next thing I can do this physical, like the doctor told me to do? Well, I've never thought runners had fun. They always have this grimace look on their face. They do not look like they're having fun, but I thought, okay, it's a simple thing to do. All you need are shoes. You can do it any place. So I started to run and that was nine years ago. I love running. I am like a slow forest gump. You just turn me on and I run forever and ever and ever. And that's why I think earlier I told you I listened to podcasts. I like to even hear my heartbeat. I like to hear my feet hit the pavement. I really love to run. So I think with all of this, you need to find something that you enjoy. Something and maybe something you never thought of. And, and, and just from running, I started running between the ages of 60 and 65. Then I decided, well, if I can run, maybe I should try a triathlon. Well, I didn't know how to swim. I didn't have swimming lessons. So I figured out a way to do that. And um, <laughs> how I did that is at the Y, I signed up for a 5.15 a.m. because I'm still working at this point, mm. a 5.15 a.m master, master swimming class. And my logic for that is all the other people in there know how to swim. So the poor Y instructor who was awesome had to spend twice as much time with me to teach me how to swim. And then I didn't have a bike, so I bought a bike. I read the book Triathlon for Dummies, signed up for my first triathlon, I think I was age 60. And I thought, okay, I know I'm a slow swimmer. I got out to swim. And the first wave, I just let them go ahead. And I thought, oh, this is good. I can just swim my pace. I was so slow, Chris, that the second wave of people went over me. It was like a tsunami. (laughs) It's like, oh my gosh, I've got to learn to be a faster swimmer. But in those five years, I ran countless races. 
but I did um, 15 half marathons. I did one full marathon. I did 26 triathlons. And I competed at the state level and at the national level and even at the world level wow. for, for seniors, for seniors. Yeah. That's 50 and above. This right. isn't, these aren't 30 year olds. Right. But it, I just found out what fun it is to be a part of a team, mm-hmm. to be engaged in fitness activities. And hopefully it, I, I only gained weight since then. It didn't help my weight, but I just feel so much more powerful and stronger. And I think that's what fitness can do for you. It sure. isn't just how you look because I don't look any better. It feel. isn't about how, if, if there's any beauty about it, but it gives you beauty from the inside. It mm-hmm. just makes you feel more secure. So I think sometimes with fitness, if you go into it thinking, oh, I'm going to drop 10 pounds or, I mean, that's all good, but I don't think that's the real reason. Right. You need to find something that you enjoy that makes you feel good on the inside because it's going to show on the outside. Right. My weight, I think when I graduated from high school, I was about 180. Mm-hmm. And I think the first child came along about age 25 and still hadn't picked any up at that point. But then as time went on and you have dad responsibilities and then right. especially when they get into their sports, I saw 10 pounds turn into 20, turn into 30. And I think I hit about 245 when my sons were seniors and freshmen in high school. And it just come from years of watching their sports and not being active myself. Mm-hmm. And plus working a lot of hours and not getting enough rest and so on. But at, at that point, I thought, I don't want to see 250. And I remember I'd tried some fitness before, but it never worked because no matter what I planned, there was always something else that come along. And for me, it was, I just made the determination at that time, my job changed from a 5 a.m. start to a 7 a.m. start. But I was used to getting up at 5 or to be there by 5, so I just started my workout in the gym. So every day for my last 15 years of work, I started with an hour, hour and a half workout. And there were guys that played basketball, too, a couple days a week. So like you said, do things you enjoy. I didn't want to do the elliptical was was what I enjoyed, but I didn't really want to do it five days. So I did it three, and then I did basketball two days. But working out that time of morning, when I hit that shower, I just felt so alive, and it helped me tackle the rest of the day. So I've heard the saying, you can't out-exercise a bad diet. Well, I tried to for during those <laughs> years, and I actually got my weight down to about 200, so I lost around 45 pounds. That's a lot. But every winter, and even now, I still struggle with, you know, picking up that 10, 15 pounds. And then, you know, it's now it's time that hopefully that's going to start coming back off. So I struggle with a diet the same way you do. I heard the, the, someone make the comment, diet is a, the Latin word is dietia, which means a way of life. So that's it's good. really not even about, the secondary meaning is the food, the food we eat to thrive. But Usually, I think us as Americans, when we hear the word diet, we think we're depriving ourselves of something. Right. So, so right away, it kind of can't last long term for most of us. I know people that make it, but the diet seems to me to be at least 75% of the equation, where I'd say fitness is more like 25 in terms of weight control. And I think you touched on something right before the diet is that it gave you so much more energy right. to start your day. And and some people like to exercise in the evening, some right. lunchtime, some in the morning. But I would guess if you would ask all those people that do something to be active or whether it's aerobic or whether it's weights, that they will say, it gives me energy, that when I'm done, I feel so good. Mm-hmm. And I just can feel that energy. And I think that's so that's very, very important. Yeah, I'm going to uh, belabor things and talk about 
another study I read, and this was a very extensive, in fact, there were two. One was done, I think, in 2018, and one was done in 2017, but it's very large. And it's, if you were going to ask someone, what is the best sport for a longer life, what would you guess? Uh, I would think it'd be running. Running? Okay. And I think a lot of people would think that because of the cardiovascular. It was interesting. It's tennis. And in these studies, in fact, it was really, the one was done in Denmark with 8,600 adults. But what was neat is they controlled education, wealth, age. The researchers looked into all that. And they studied these over 8,000 people for 25 years that were involved in sports activities. And then the other study was done in Britain in 2017 with 80,000 people. And they also found a similar result in that tennis added the most years to your life of any sport. And they're finding that racket sports in particular, people that do racket sports live longer than runners. The study also, the research showed in terms of the years that tennis added an average of 9.7 years to your life. So that's almost a decade right? compared to 3.7 for cyclists, 3.2 for joggers, and 1.5 for those who worked out like in a gym. Hmm. And they had all the other sports as well. Badminton was pretty high, but tennis, as I mentioned, was the highest. And I think something that's built into racket sports or tennis in particular is that you have a social component there. So they were saying physically it helps you because you're using your arms and your legs and you're moving, but also there's a social component that helps you psychologically with your well-being. So belonging to a group, and that ties back to the other facet about relationships, it kind of regularly promotes a sense of support, you know, a trust. You have your own little community of like tennis players and it contributes to your well-being and improved long-term health. Yeah. So I thought that was a really interesting study that chasing a little yellow ball and I love tennis. Yeah. Love it, love it, love it. So of course that would make me think, whoa, that's pretty cool. Hmm. But I think the longer that we play, the longer we live and the longer we live, the longer sure. we can play. Right. You know, myself, I'm a golfer, and people mm-hmm. tend to think of that as what exercise is that. But I'm kind of unique in that I walk. And right. when I go to the golf course, I would say at least 90% of the people are riding in a cart. And, you know, the fact is they're still getting some exercise, but no doubt walking, the average course is about, I'm guessing, four miles that you're going to walk between not just tee to green, but the, the walk to the next tee. And, and when you get off course, but walking up and down hills, I, I know my, I can feel my pulse pick up. Right. So when I mentioned I pick up 10 or 15 pounds in the winter, usually to this point, I've been able to get it off by playing golf three or four times a week and walking when I do it. So I, I think golf kind of gets a bad rap for not being that beneficial, but I think it's because the majority of people take a cart, I would guess. My husband is like you and he tries to walk as much as possible and, and he calculates. And I think you get in. 10 to 13,000 steps. I know a lot of people measure steps. So that's like walking probably what, four or five miles? Yeah, I would guess. Yeah. Pretty close, which is neat. Yep. You know, there was a a story I remember some time ago, it was titled, is your why bigger than your butt? (laughs) And it it wasn't, it wasn't the kind of butt you're thinking of. Um, (laughs) The neat thing in this was this man had struggled with his weight his whole life and he was several hundred pounds overweight and there come a point in time where his daughter needed a kidney. And he was a match. He was the only match in the family. And he was signed up right away. Naturally, any of us would. 
but the doctor was afraid to do it because of his weight. And he said, you lose 100 pounds and we'll do it. He dropped it in six months. Never been able to, to wow. lose 20. But it was, is how important is the why, you know? And when he had that why, then he found the, the ways to, to do that. And to me, you know, it's thinking about motivation. What is it that motivates us, you know? If it's something like that, I'd say any of us could do it. But um, motivation plays a big part, don't you agree? Oh, I agree. There's a proverb seventeen twenty two verse that comes into mind when you said that. If a cheerful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up bones. I think what that's saying to us, it's proposing that we try to be happy. It's not only being healthy, you need to be happy. Right. You need to enjoy what you're doing that makes you healthy. And it, it combines together those two H's. And, and we have to do what makes us happy and keeps us going. And the bottom line is, even if things don't work out the way we think they should or mm-hmm. could, that who's in control? God's right. in control. And he he wants us to put the joy and enjoy. I really believe that. You are listening to the Eight Facets of Life podcast. Stay tuned for more after this message from our sponsor. With all the headlines, are you wondering if your retirement savings will last? The market's ups and downs can keep you guessing, especially if you're approaching retirement or considering it. Your Edward Jones advisor, Daryl Olson, can help. If you have more questions than answers about what's next, you can work together to help ensure you're prepared for your journey. After all, retirement isn't the end of the trek, it's a new beginning. Stop by the office at 125 South Main Street in Bell Fountain. Edward Jones, making sense of investing. Member SIPC. Now, back to the 8 Facets of Life podcast with Chris Conley and Debbie Ellis. You said earlier, Debbie, that the diet portion isn't your strength, and I said it's not mine either. But there's a ton of information out there about that. You know, there's conflicting advice as far as some people say right. it's calories in, calories out. Some people talk about it's the time you work out, the different diets. You know, keto gets a lot of publicity. Uh, back in our day, it was probably more of the Adkins diet, right. you know. And, you know, I've heard people have a lot of success, but then I've also known many people that lost weight and then put it back on. I have a friend who is like, she is the epitome of good health and diet. And she's 78. Mm -hmm. She's amazing. So I really feel I shouldn't even speak about diet because I am so bad at that. And I just abuse it. And I eat everything. I eat a lot of good things. I eat a lot of bad things. So I'm going to defer to you. (laughs) I can't speak to it. Well, and honestly, I don't think we we fail in our diets because of knowledge. I think the knowledge is out there. Right, right. I think it comes down to the desire. Right. Is that why there? Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of foods that I don't care for that I know are good for me. And like broccoli's one, I I tend to eat it, but I'll I'll add it to something else with a bite because, you know, it's not that it's terrible. It just Mm -hmm. doesn't do anything for me. But yet I know how good it is for me. So- I can't say my taste have changed much, but my attitude towards that has changed. So I try to I try to eat more salads and things along that line, but I know there's still a lot of foods that I prefer not to eat that I know would be good for me if I did eat them. And so, so I guess that's just like the fitness. We have to find out what we do like and hone in on those. Right. And that's not to say you can't have desserts. You can, yeah. but we just have to right. do it yeah. in proportion to what's good and what isn't. Well, I heard one guy say, our society... We think we need dessert daily, if not for each meal. And I've probably kind of fallen into that. I do that. You know? Yeah. <laughs> um, but I've heard people that have lost weight and kept it off long term. And they said one of the biggest things for them was Sweet. they allow dessert once a week, you know. Yeah. 
that one out of seven versus seven out of seven, that's a big deal. I'm sure they are so right. And yeah. I wish I had that self-discipline. Yeah. Well, and you know, that's the willpower. There was a study yeah. I heard one time, and this is kind of interesting. They, they did a study with some people, and they didn't tell them what they were studying. That's kind of always funny to me. Right. Where they, they put these people in a room and gave them a plate of chocolate chip cookies and radishes and said, eat anything <laughs> you want. Well, naturally, the people eat the cookies. In another room, there's the same number of people, and they're given the same thing, but they're told, whatever you do, don't eat the cookies. Just you can have all the radishes you want. So then they bring the people into this exercise where they have them solve problems and the problems are unsolvable so that's what they don't know but they're asked to do their best to to figure these problems out and as a group the people that could only eat radishes gave up twice as quick as the other people and they said it was because their willpower was exhausted they had to they, they weren't allowed to eat the cookies so they gave up on the problem quicker Whereas the people who could eat the cookies worked at the problem longer, even though it couldn't be solved and didn't know that. They were working like 17 minutes where the other group only worked about eight before they gave up. So That's interesting. Yeah, what they were trying to prove was willpower is exhaustible. So Mm -hmm. the idea is that if we go into our day, don't make it all about willpower – make a habit as many things as possible. So if you're if you've prepared your food the day before, you're going to eat it because you don't have to think about it. Right. If you've if you're going to go running in the morning, make sure your clothes are out so you don't have to do I feel like this or not. They're they're already right. there, you know, that right. type of thing. So I thought that was a really neat study and you know, it's something right. that we know habit is important. We just got to make sure that the right habits are good habits. Right. That is interesting because I do that. I lay out what I'm going to wear. Yeah. To work out in or to run in or to play tennis in. They're all like on the hearth, just little little outfits right, right there. <laughs> you know, you talked about doing things you enjoy. For you, it's tennis and running. You know, right. for me, it's golf. Mm-hmm. And, and I enjoy working out as well, like with the elliptical especially. Sure. But no matter what, we have to find things we enjoy. Mm-hmm. I, I recall a Dr. Oz show where they said, what is the one thing that people could do if they just wanted to make a difference today? And he had three things. He said the number one factor people could change to be healthier is sleep was number one. Oh, right. And the second one was drink more water. Mm-hmm. And the third one was just move. So when you look at those three together, then none of them involve going buying a gym membership. They don't involve, you know, he's not saying you don't need to change your diet. But he said if you just do those three things, you're going to add years to your life right away. So he just said sleep, sleep and hydrate water right. and move, move, just yep. keep moving. That yep. makes sense. Yeah. Pretty simplistic. Yep. It's a way of life. And if a person is already overweight or their joints don't work right, you know, you're kind of in that situation where is it too late? And, you know, any of these cases, you would need to get your doctor's approval before you started sure. anything. I've heard of people who just got up and walked to the mailbox or walked to the telephone pole and a week later, they were walking two or three telephone pole links, you know, so it can happen and you're going to be better off for it. Right. And I think at any age, too, as we're yeah. both mentioning, and sometimes it's to your advantage because, as you mentioned, especially with men our age, they played maybe football, baseball, sports intensively. Right. And now they're getting knee replacements or hip replacements. So to some people's advantages, if they were inactive growing up, 
they might still have their joints in place and they might be able to do more than they realize they can do because they haven't technically worn out their bodies. Now there's outliers that can run and do sports their whole life. But most people, if you do it earlier, you may pay for it later. So like you were saying, perhaps you've never been an active person. There's still a lot left in you and your fuel tank. There's a lot left in you. Right. And, you know, it's like I heard a guy say one time, could you do um, five push-ups? And the guy says, yeah, I could do five. Well, could you do 25? No, I don't think so. Well, when I look at you, I probably couldn't. But is five all you can do? No, because if you rest, you can do five more. And if you rest, you can do five more. So the point was... You do what you can do, mm-hmm. and you'd be surprised a week from now, two weeks from now, whatever you can do today, you're going to do more later, but you've got to build up to that point. Correct. I heard a quote one time. It was a way of life. I'm not on a diet. I'm just holding myself accountable for what I eat. And I always try to tell myself that. I you know, try to psych myself out. But I think that's a way we need to look at things. It's kind of like the cake we eat today won't kill us today, <laughs> but it has long-term devastating consequences. That's probably our biggest problem is... It's those small things that we do won't kill us overnight, but when we continually do them time and time and time again, that's where we have the problems that we've we've got. There's one other study, and it was a study done in a rest home, and they put houseplants in the wings. And they told in group A, they said, you're responsible to keep that thing going. You know, water it, you care for it. And in the second wing, they said, this plant's here, but the staff's going to take care of it. And what they found was the people that had the plants that they were responsible for lived on average three years longer than the other patients. And I thought that was astounding because, again, it has nothing to do with just working out or what we eat because they're all fed basically the same type meals. But the fact that I have something to get up and live for, as as insignificant as a houseplant seems, but I think that, again, for our health – we have to have some reason to get up and a passion for how we go about life. No, that's an interesting study. Yeah. That is. A Bible verse that comes to mind is 1 Corinthians six nineteen to 20. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price. So you must honor God with your body. And I think that's a good summation of what we've talked about today, Mm -hmm. Chris. And I think the main thing is pick what you do that can make you happy, that you can do in moderation, you can do it step by step. And that's what's important. It's not how much wealth we have, it's our health. It is so much our health. And what little baby steps we can take now can make a huge difference when we're getting ready to leave this earth. Sure. Thanks for joining us today. I guess the basic message is we hope you will stay healthy and happy and get off your chair and just move. Uh, Let's see. Our next session will be on careers, correct? Right. So stay tuned and we'll be talking about careers next. Thanks for listening to the 8 Facets of Life podcast. If you have questions or comments about what you heard today, please visit our website at the number 8facetsoflife.com. The Shine FM Podcast Network.